taxonomy doesn't matter. What is called metaverse today might not be called metaverse when that digital future comes around. What matters is the right vision, what to build, who to back, and how to put the right values and frameworks in place so that this future is what we want to see for our children. Welcome to Radio Davos, the podcast from the World Economic Forum that looks at the biggest challenges and how we might solve them. This week, virtual reality is great for gamers, but what about the rest of us? We talked to a metaverse company executive about the real world uses of this emerging technology. In virtual reality, you are transported to a different space and you get to have a visceral experience that you don't get when watching a video. Your brain tricks you to believe that you are actually there and that it's real. Beyond entertainment, the metaverse could have breakthrough applications in education and medicine. The doctor can now go into the patient's brain or heart together with the patient and understand together and also have a better plan of surgery that increases the success of such an operation. And with the rapid uptake in artificial intelligence, perhaps each of us will be builders of the metaverse. Power charged by the development in terms of AI, everyone can become a creator. I feel like that that's really important because everyone needs to participate in this metaverse concept or this digital future we really wanted to be built by the people for the people subscribe to radio davos wherever you get your podcast or visit weft.ch slash podcast i'm robin pomeroy at the world economic forum and with this look at how the metaverse could change our lives with the right parameters and frameworks and tools in place the kids will be empowered to build the future that is good for them this is radio davos Is the metaverse still a thing, or has the world's attention moved on to generative AI? On this episode of Radio Davos, we speak to a vice president of the consumer electronics company HTC. Pearlie Chen heads business development and content partnerships for Viveport, a subscription plan for virtual reality gaming, immersive video games played using VR headsets. Pearlie spoke to me and my colleague Connie Quang just before the World Economic Forum published two reports on the metaverse, one on privacy and safety in the metaverse and the other on its social implications. Pearlie Chen is convinced of the potential for metaverse applications beyond entertainment for healthcare, social care and education and as you will hear, believes the advent of generative AI will make us all builders of the metaverse. To introduce the interview, here's my colleague Connie. I started by asking Connie to remind us exactly what we mean by the metaverse. We get that question a lot. Uh, The metaverse is a very popular topic and it's been confused for many things over time. Some people think it's only virtual reality. Others think that it is only, um, you know, blockchain and cryptocurrencies. And in fact, the metaverse is all of those things and more. It is a coming convergence of high technologies such as augmented reality, virtual reality, artificial intelligence, um, you know, blockchain, as I mentioned. These things are coming together to form what is inherently going to be our next internet. So it's going to be an interface that's more 3D, 360, immersive, um, and digitally connected than ever before. And you work on that issue here at the World Economic Forum, and the forum's just published or is publishing a paper about the metaverse. Tell us about the latest publication. I'm here for an initiative that started May of last year. And since then, we've done some publications about the consumer-facing metaverse, about understanding interoperability in the metaverse, and coming up social implications of developing the space, because it's equally of importance that we look at societal um, impacts as we do the overall economic ones. And we're going to look at those today, I think, with our guests. Yes, that is correct. Pearlie is vice president at HTC. She's heading business development and content partnerships for Viveport. And that is, of course, the world's first virtual reality content subscription service. 
Infinity for all PC VR headsets, and of course is part of a growing family of just standalone VR headsets in the world. Uh, but that's obviously a very official profile. Maybe over to you, Pearlie. Can you tell us exactly what it is that you do? Um, and you know, why is the metaverse important to you through that course of work? Sure. I've been with HTC for 10, going into 11 years now. Joining Sher Wang on her side as she comes back to HTC to really champion this pivot into investing the next spatial computing platform for, for all of us. Through the past decade of uh, adventure with HTC, I've held various leadership roles, but most recently building virtual viports of content business, but also since 2016, I've been investing in a very broad range of startups across the globe. So our Vivex investment program was $100 million commitment on a balance sheet to invest in the ecosystem of founders building the future of spatial computing with a very bold vision. I want to find vision aligned uh, founders and pushing the boundaries of technology, but really keeping the, that humanity, how we benefit humanity at the center of what they do. So this portfolio of companies have really grown to more than 100 companies now. We are clearly a corporate strategic investor, but we're also an ecosystem investor. We believe in learning through building this network and where possible, we try to accelerate their growth through strategic partnerships, synergies, market access uh, and more. 100 companies, what kind of things are they making hardware? Are they doing software applications? What, what kinds of things are these companies making? Some are in hardware. I would say very, very small amount are hardware focused, primarily in software, in core tech, in deep tech, in different applications, in different categories, whether it's healthcare or education or enterprise productivity or different just foundational technologies or AI or 5G. Some are, have blockchain and Web3 components as well. We're all um, hoping to see that will enrich all of our digital experiences, will really converge all of these technologies as different pillars to, to, to make this vision come to life. We're agnostic, we're learning, and we hope to provide value as we invest in um, back the right founders. I want to go back to your notion of spatial computing. So, of course, we've been working together in the capacity over the last year or so on an initiative at the forum, which is called Defining and Building the Metaverse. And so, you know, the definition or the taxonomy we have sometimes around technology can be changing. Can you maybe help our listeners um, understand, you know, and bridge from this notion of the metaverse to this notion of spatial computing. To you, are they the same thing? Are they different? Um, you know, how can we explain that to people who might be hearing all these different words out there now? Yeah, it's all very confusing, probably unnecessarily. So of course, we started building HTC Vive as an ecosystem, a platform for what we call Vive reality back then, which will be technology converging humanity to bring positive impact to society. So how we see this uh, manifesting is virtual augmented reality as this immersive spatial interface. But then of course, all these different content that is enriching and life-changing needs to be created. And AI plays an important role in that. And blockchain as a foundational infrastructure technology needs to provide the trust layer for transactions, for identity, for ownership. And then there's 5G and next generation high-speed network that will allow these super low latency 
requirement experiences that come to life. And so what we identify as a vision we call Vive Reality in the beginning has somehow morphed into this metaverse concept. But I feel that it's been important to not be blindsided by, by the hype because they're, they're usually pretty dangerous. It brings a frenzy of uh, whether it's capital attention or expectations, and then we crash pretty hard. And that's a bad impact for startups, for founders, for companies in the ecosystem. So we have been staying the course in terms of the vision of what we hope to build is converging all these different cutting edge technologies. Consumers don't necessarily need to know all the ins and outs of it, but at the center of it is how can we bring these together to bring people a more enriched and meaningful digital experience. And when HTC was pioneering smartphone era, that digital experience primarily now exists for billions of people around the world on a flat screen that we hold in our palm. As we evolve into this next phase of a personal computing platform, it will simply be much more intuitive, more spatial immersive, and that's what I call spatial computing, or some call XR. But of course, uh, all these taxonomies all have different nuances, really depending on what you are referring to. But for us, it's the vision that you will have more meaningful digital life um, where you can have amazing experiences where you're at it, but you also have more time in your physical reality with your loved ones and, and forge meaningful relationships. That's, that's what's important to us. So you mentioned XR uh, earlier, Connie mentioned VR. VR is virtual reality. Most, most people probably have some idea what that is. What's XR? So XR would be extended reality. It's in the, a blend of virtual reality where you're completely immersed and transported to a different world, computer-generated world, um, a fully immersive world, or augmented reality is where you overlay digital content on top of your physical reality that you see with your eyes, or mixed reality, which can also include the concept of high definition video pass through. So, so your digital content is projected through the high definition camera, through the goggles into your real world. So there's different combination of blending physical reality and digital reality. That's what we call extended reality or, or XR. But again, taxonomy doesn't matter. What is called metaverse today might not be called metaverse when, when that digital future comes around. What matters is how we focus on the right vision, what to build, who to back, and how to put the right values and, and, and frameworks in place so that this future is what we want to see for our children. So we're going to talk about the social impacts, um, particularly in this conversation. But b before we really dig into that, I just want to give listeners a bit of an idea of what this future might look like. It's interesting, Pearly, you're saying we're not sure it could be this, it could be that. But if someone were to Google HTC Vive, the first thing that's going to come up are the headsets. So to anyone who's not used one, I have used some version of this, uh, but could you, could you give some idea what it, what it feels like, what it sounds like to wear one of these headsets to have some kind of interaction, some application that, that you would use that headset to access? Absolutely. For example, Notre Dame is still closed for renovations that horrible five years ago. But now with the, one of these virtual reality headsets, you can go back in time and space to the beginning of when the cathedral was built and, and understand how people live their lives. I went into that experience with my children uh, while visiting Paris. And then I repeated uh, a similar experience in New York uh, going to the Grand Pyramid, which again, difficult to access type of experience. But in virtual reality, you are transformed 
transported to a different space and you get to have a visceral experience that you don't get when watching a video because your brain tricks you to believe that you are actually there and that it's real except for that it's much more scalable and repeatable in the same token i can wake up every morning and meditate in my favorite glacier in iceland through one of these virtual reality headsets versus uh, i would love to go to that glacier every day, but I can't. I've been there three times in physical life, which is always better, but the repeatability, easily accessibility is what is magical about having a portal like this in your pocket. The entrepreneurs and in the businesses that you support, what exactly are those better digital experiences that they're building? You mentioned it's hardware, it's software, but in terms of the problems they're solving, can you give us some examples of, of that in the context of you know social issues that we might look at? Yeah, in healthcare, for example, uh, today doctors are often making decisions based on 2D images that they have to construct three-dimensionally in their head before conducting a critical uh, surgery, for example. And through a tool uh, like the surgical theater that uses AI to take in all these different 2D medical images that is available today and build them into a three-dimensional anatomy that is patient-specific. The doctor can now go into the patient's brain or heart together with the patient and understand together and also have a better plan uh, of surgery that increases the success of such an operation. Um, this is one of my favorite examples of life, real, real life value at today. It's not just about gaming entertainment. It's something that can be done exponentially better using this immersive interface and artificial intelligence tools. What would that actually look like? You could actually walk physically through your own arteries into your own heart. Is that is that what you're saying? Absolutely. You're you're immersed in your own anatomy that is 3D models converted from your actual MRI scan or CT scan. You understand where the tumor is, where the arteries are, what is a better incision point that would improve the patient outcome. And this really makes the patient experience not so scary anymore when it's, you know, a communication tool that can be viscerally understood. And it, it increases the doctor's ability to carry their craft. And so many different startups are building such tools, building interaction, building so that medical schools can or hospitals can easily put their doctors and medical staff through training um, in a local scalable way, increasing again patient outcome. Or imagine therapies that used to happen in, in a clinician's office, whether that's physical therapy, mental health therapy, now they can all be delivered through uh, virtual reality headsets at the comfort of the patient's own home. So, so many different ways that these startups that we back uh, are really making an impact through their, their innovative products and go to market. Another example that I love to talk about is, is MindVR, for example, that brings virtual reality um, experiences into senior homes and assisted living environments where our senior population is increasingly feeling isolated and suffers from all range of issues. And oftentimes a lot of it is mental and happiness, uh, anxiety and depression. So virtual reality experiences really bring them outside of those four, four walls and bring them the possibility to, to go through shared experiences with loved ones, regardless of physical distance. The very intriguing possibilities. And as you say, there'll be others that we haven't even thought of yet. I mean, that's kind of the optimistic side. I wonder what the, the risks are of some of this. It strikes me perhaps that one is is cost and kind of entry point. If we consider the, the millions or billions of people who don't even have basic internet access at the moment. And, the, and is, is there a risk that the rich world plows ahead with these marvelous new applications, 
but they just won't be available to half of the world. And this famous digital divide that we often talk about on this program is just going to get bigger. Is, is, is that a risk? I feel like the it, the optimistic take would be that consumer electronics uh, evolve very quickly. The co the cost of components come down quickly. Also, smartphone that started out as a very elitist type of a new gadget quickly now becomes the center of everybody's livelihood, even in low income countries in different shapes or forms. So it is important to push the boundaries of these new technologies that will always bring those worries of unintended societal consequences and impact. But I I believe in and am optimistic that as we build out all these different uh, foundational technologies, including the 5G, 6G, next generation internet, and of course, internet coverage is still an area that many players around the world are still trying to, to really broaden that impact. But the whole point about what we think the headset is expensive because it still has a lot of on-headset or on-device processing. When that can be offloaded to the cloud, to the edge, to, to other computing devices around you, the display that you put in front of your eyes can be significantly cheaper and lighter and more comfortable to wear. And we, we do understand that you know such a device can still be expensive to access now, and which is why it's important to have, I feel like, a bridge to browser-enabled three-dimensional experiences also. So we also build products and services along those lines to, to, to make sure that more people can, can have access to what 3D experiences mean and the benefits that it can bring to productivity, to happiness, experiences. So there'll be this bridge technology, you're saying the applications will be available for headsets that people can experience 360 degrees, but also a lot of those applications will be accessible on much simpler devices until the time comes when the headsets are more available for more Absolutely. People. Correct. Continuing this topic around access and adoption, oftentimes it's not just the cost of the hardware or the connectivity that's a barrier to people adopting and using technology, we also see that a lot of it is just the literacy. So digital or media literacy and understanding of technology and, and how to actually approach it in our lives. How do you think about that through HTC? You know, what's the role that different organizations or different sectors can play in kind of bridging the gap from that perspective? I think it's thinking outside the box of obvious target audience that we're building for. For example, when we shipped the original HTC Vive in partnership with Valve, it was very much like a gamer's device who has high-end PCs that can run incredible experiences. But that makes it extremely inaccessible. And in the beginning, you always push from where you know the early adopters and enthusiasts are, are naturally hanging on to. But then quickly, we need to think about in inclusivity. How do we design the products and experiences in a way that can be accessible by a broad range of people, even if they're very much not in your obvious range of view. For example, seniors turn out to be great users and that benefit from virtual reality. Or um, form factor-wise, as we are thinking about reducing the, the size, the weight, and a more attractive form factor of glasses like uh, headsets, they, they fit a more wide-ranging uh, demographic group. So, so it's important to think broadly uh, and again, be learning and be very curious. Sometimes 
the magic happens in in places that you just don't see uh, in very unexpected ways. Another great example, as we work with global museums around the world, like the Louvre, the Victoria Albert Museum, we have uh, almost a hundred projects with these global cultural institutions around the world to to bring amazing experiences to museum goers, which can be uh, usually they they come from all all demographic groups. That was a great learning, a great way to see how new technology looks like this can benefit, but also used by by different type of people. Uh, and then we learn that way also. So it's a different way of storytelling that brings more to, to the experience. So the Notre Dame experience I, I mentioned, or the, the Great Pyramid experience, uh, these are both great examples of how digital media in this immersive form can help the public find a new way to appreciate the arts. Sometimes we, we make, uh, we, ha we work with artists to bring their, their artwork to, to life in an immersive way. Um, so we need to be thinking about this new storytelling medium in a very much out of the box fashion, um, not just replicating them into virtual reality. I think that's a great segue actually into education as another topic we wanted to cover. Uh, so can you tell us maybe a bit more a case study that you know from education in that respect? In terms of education, again, this is a very obvious use case of immersive media because students are no longer learning with text or a video where the retention rate of knowledge is much, much lower versus when you can live through and use all of your senses and body and interaction. The retention rate uh, is as wide apart as 90% versus 5 and 10%. By retention, you mean remembering the information Correct. Versus reading and video or in class, in person classroom versus living through, going through a virtual reality simulation. The learning outcome is drastically improved. And that's why so many enterprises are starting to use virtual reality for staff training, whether it's procedure based or hard, hard skill based or it's soft skill based, simulating your leadership skills or hard conversations or empathy or DEI training. There's so many things where simulation can add a layer of understanding and retention. Again, reten and engagement with the content also, emotional attachment to the content also. This is a great platform of learning for learners of all ages. But when kids go into VR, everything is so natural for them. They touch things, they manipulate things, they understand things very easily without explanation. I feel like kids and actually and senior people are surprisingly great target users of, of virtual reality. I think teachers, educators, and um, companies can soon enough readily create in a very low effort way, learning materials that is customizable and repeatable and, and just will make the, their learners learn at accelerated speed with much, much better outcome. That, that's a really interesting point. So if, if it's customizable, I suppose you can imagine a, a point where a teacher could fairly easily create some kind of uh, metaverse experience. Don't, they don't have to wait for something to be delivered from, from a, a creator of that they could, you know, from our experience of, of generative AI, it's quite quick to put something together, including images or, or sounds. Um, this, this could be what teachers will be doing in, in the fairly near future. Absolutely. And there are already tools. We've invested in such tools too. XR or content creation tools that involves no coding. It's true that it takes engineers, programmers, designers, a team of many over many months of time. So very costly to produce a 
content or application. So it becomes really hard to, to adjust in real time in a timely manner and upgrade it and customize it, et cetera, et cetera. But with all these different tools that are coming now with assistance, power charged by, by the, the development in generative AI, everyone can become a creator. I feel like that, that's really important because everyone needs to participate in this metaverse concept or this digital future. We really want it to be built by the people, for the people. Hence, hence we, we want to be invested in, in that in that tool and possibility that everyone can take tools and, and start creating, uh, whether it's a teacher or a doctor or a hospital or an enterprise or just individuals. The creativity can really be unleashed with uh, these amazing tools. Pearlie, what do you think um, parents or teachers in the future need to consider when they're bringing these technologies into their home or into their classroom? I think, you know, given some of the challenges we've had with our current internet, parents or teachers or, you know, educators in general might feel a little bit more anxious about these things rather than optimistic. I mean, you, you describe yourself as, as a humanist and optimist, which is great in this respect. So could you help to maybe shine a light? I'm a humanist, optimist, also a mother of three uh, young girls. So I'm very well aware of how parents are very nervous about the usage of digital uh, devices, social media, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like more so than um, play placing the blame of the concern on the device, it could be actually the business model. If we design our business models around attention, eyeballs, then content are created in a certain way to, to write the algorithm to reach your target audience. Hence, social media or content uh, consumption behavior becomes a certain way that is not desirable by parents or society as a whole. Um, so I feel like with the, such benefit of hindsight, we can design this future in a much more mindful way. People need to be consuming immersive digital experiences because it enhances and benefits their lives, not because it provides better data for merchants to sell them more service and products. Um, and that's why for us, metaverse or whatever we call it in this future, this needs to be open, transparent. There needs to be a very healthy business model that rewards creators. So yeah, that, that's how I think about it. And hence, we need to back um, the right founders, building with the right intentions and, and vision. Um, and we need to, as an industry, come together, all the stakeholders, and commit to standards, like how we treat data privacy, how we design safety, ethics framework. I, I think with the right parameters and frameworks and tools in place, the kids will be empowered to build the, the future that is good for them. I have one final question for you then. If someone listening to this is not a gamer, hasn't been immersed in, in that world, or they haven't really come across the metaverse in person before, where, where would you suggest they start? I would say go to vibe.com, but <laughs> the perfect plug. Um, but, but no, seriously. It, Other providers yeah. are available. Absolutely, absolutely. In all honesty and transparency, our headsets are not the cheapest in the market um, because our products are the business model. The consumers and their data is not the business model. But um, I would suggest everyone to stay very curious about, about these experiences, start, starting by trying. And there are so many developers building all kinds of entertaining, healthcare, wellness-oriented or learning-oriented experiences that kids can start getting curious and start creating also 
So there are many, plenty of creating tool, creator tools that, that, that I enjoy getting my kids to play with. Um, so really, regardless of has said, again, we, we all want to see this future happen. And so the more people get curious and, and, and start imagining where they can play a role in making this future happen, um, the, the better outcome for all of us. Whenever there is a possibility to, to see a new experience, new content, whether it's a museum or it's online or at one of these app stores on the headsets that you get, really stay tuned and, and, and just keep learning. I feel like that, that would be a great place for all of us uh, to start. Perli Chen is Vice President at HTC, heading Business Development and Content Partnerships for Viveport. She was speaking to me and Connie Quang, Lead of Metaverse Value Creation at the World Economic Forum's Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Find out more on the forum's Defining and Building the Metaverse initiative on our website, where you can also download the reports, social implications of the metaverse, and privacy and safety in the metaverse. Please subscribe to Radio Davos wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating or a review on your app of choice and join the conversation on the World Economic Forum Podcast Club. That's on Facebook. This episode of Radio Davos was written and presented by me, Robin Pomeroy, with Connie Quang. Editing was by Jerry Johansson. Studio production by Gareth Nolan. We'll be back next week, but for now, thanks to you for listening and goodbye. <laughs>